and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray-painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is you're transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are going to have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now... Let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us today for another amazing episode. It's a different episode than what we've done in the past. We took a little bit of a risk with today's conversation. If you are familiar with our podcast, you know that I typically have Individuals come on here, intentional performers come on here and share their mindset and and think about their journey a little bit deeper with me. And one of those guests is Joe Ferraro. I love chatting with Joe. And typically, I don't like to have guests back for a second time. I feel as though I really tried to empty the cup out and, and really squeeze out everything from the rag, so to speak, of that person in that conversation. And I've had guests say, hey, Brian, can I come back on the podcast? And I, I choose not to do that, um, which is my prerogative. Um, but today is a little different because Joe and I decided to create a podcast that is interesting, unique, and I got a ton of excitement about. So I'm going to get to that in a minute. But before I do, if you're unfamiliar with me, I work as an executive coach and a mental performance coach, and I founded a company called Strong Skills. And at Strong Skills, our team is on a mission to change how the world thinks about soft skills. And hopefully we're doing that day by day, moment by moment. See, we believe labeling competencies like leadership, communication, teamwork, things that Joe cares deeply about as a teacher, as a coach, as a podcaster, those types of competencies, when we label them as soft, it devalues and minimizes the importance of these super important skills. And one of the strong skills that we actually will mention in today's conversation uh, that we love to teach is what we call shift your mind. And the teachings come from my book, which came out in October of 2020. If you enjoyed today's conversation or any of our past guests, then I know you're going to love the book. You can head over to Amazon or anywhere books are sold to purchase, and you can even listen to the book via Audible. Thanks to all of you who continue to support shift your mind. It really does mean a world to me. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's conversation or any of our previous guests and episodes, we'd love it if you went over to iTunes and wrote us a review. It really does help us expand the reach of the podcast. And thanks to all of you who continue to support us as well. So I mentioned today's episode is a little different. So Joe and I uh, love following each other on, on Twitter. We also exchange text messages and I've been on his podcast. He's been on my podcast, as I mentioned earlier. And he started to riff and tweet and share on his podcast about this idea of is being a guest on a podcast different than being a host on a podcast? And I sort of said to him, I think they are different. I prepare differently when I go on someone's podcast, like when I went on Joe's compared to when Joe came on mine. And so we went back and forth and I said to him, gosh, I think this has more legs to it that extend far beyond podcasting. As we host dinner parties, are we thinking of ourselves more as a host or a guest and how do we think about it differently? 
as we interview for jobs, do we think about ourselves as the interviewer or the interviewee? And so there's so many places in our society where we play host or we play guest. And so Joe and I decided to fire up the mics and really think deeply about this. And we go off on some tangents like our favorite songs or our favorite movies. But you're going to get a true conversation by two from two people who have a lot of respect for each other, who really enjoy each other's company, I think, I hope, and who think deeply about how we can have damn good conversations, as Joe likes to put it uh, on his podcast, and how we can be super intentional with how we show up, as I often talk about with my guests on this podcast. So it's going to probably feel a little different. It's not going to have the same roles and boundaries that you hear from a lot of our previous conversations. And what's really interesting about this talk was both Joe and I were planning to do solo podcast episodes. And I think this episode is far more powerful because we both brought our full selves to the conversation. And hopefully that magnifies the value for you, the listener. The last thing I'll say If this resonates with you, I'd love to hear. If it doesn't, I'd love to hear that as well. We took a risk when doing this, and we're not sure how it turned out. We feel good about it, but you never know until you get the feedback. So feel free to reach out to me if you like it. If you didn't, my email is brian at strongskills.co, brian at strongskills.co, and it really does mean a ton when we hear from people that are listening to the podcast and, and give us feedback. So I know Joe has a pet peeve where he says he hates or dislikes, maybe is a better word, people that say without further ado. And if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you'll know that I often would say without further ado, here is my conversation with Joe. Uh, Over the past year, I've tried to mix it up and change it because I do respect Joe. And I I like that he says, you know, you don't have to say a do. And he even takes issue. He he teaches English. So he he thinks about words probably in more detail than I do. So I'm just going to say this. This is a damn good conversation with myself and Joe, I think. And I'm excited to get your thoughts on it. So here is myself and Joe Ferraro. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Joe Ferraro is my guest today. Joe, you're my guest, right? Actually, welcome to the podcast. My guest today is professional speaker, Brian Levinson. I'm not a professional speaker. I know you fight that so hard. I've heard you say that before. It's like, I don't want to be a keynote. I'm not a keynote. I had one of my clients ask me for a speaker for his company. And I said to him, I was like, you know, I can do all this stuff. (laughs) And he goes, really? Because he just thought of me as a coach. And I said, yeah, like you want me to talk about teamwork and resilience and leadership? It's like, I literally have hour long talks for each of those. But here are some other great people, too, if if you'd rather them be there as well. But no, I don't I don't think of myself as a speaker. But do you want to tell everyone what we're doing here? Because now I feel like we're just we're diving in. Just one more thing. Keynote, another misused word. Mm-hmm. Everyone says I'm a keynote speaker. My understanding is a keynote speaker is one speaker in the event. The keynote, oh. the the keynote. But like people are just like, oh, I gave a keynote this weekend. 30 other people on the docket. So as two people who appreciate the value of words, I just wanted to call that out or call yeah. that in, whatever. And I don't even like saying keynote. Like I usually I usually use the word workshop because I feel like if you're listening to a keynote, with regardless of if you're one person or one of 30. The idea is that you're going to sit there and you're going to listen the entire time. And that person's going to lecture, mm. uh, maybe even sound like a preacher. And that's just not how I do any of my experience. I, I do experiences. So it's going to be interactive. I don't want to talk at people. I want to talk with people. Uh, and yes, of course, there are times where I need to share what I know. But a lot of times I'm asking questions of the audience or I'm having them come on stage or what, what have you or breakout rooms if we're doing Zoom. Uh, so that's so this, this will actually be more workshop oriented. What we're doing today is, is, a, is a discussion, a conversation about an idea that you and I wanted to riff on. But it gets dangerous when you say the word riff or jam, right? All of a sudden it gets casual and it's all of a sudden we have no boundaries and we have no place to be and the listener has no urgency. I think you and I are capable of that. But I think we're also capable of a, of a tremendously focused product for lack of a better term. And, and what, what I brought you on and what you brought me on for was this idea that you and I have been going back and forth on the skill set to host the skill set to be a guest. And I think hopefully it's obvious there are broader implications for people who are not in the podcast game, right? We're talking about job interviewee, job interviewer, 
Um, I, I, I think there's more crossover than people realize. And I think you once said to me, totally different skills. So let me pause there. And does that capture what you're hoping to accomplish today? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because I like to dance as much as the next person. And I think a lot of times when we text, we're just dancing literally and figuratively. But like framing this conversation is important. So there were three questions that I had posed to you because you were putting out some interesting content around this idea that, no, whose role is it to prepare? who's, Who's it really on? Who takes ownership? Is it the host or the guest? And that had me thinking, well, and are they different? Is the host and guest different? Who needs to prepare as we talked about? And then what makes each of those roles special or unique? And those were questions that I sort of posed to you And then, so hopefully we'll address those today. And I do think it's important that whenever you're having a a meaningful conversation, and by the way, there are all kinds of different meaningful conversations, but I I would say a planned conversation or a planned meeting, I think agendas are so valuable. And we've all been in meetings where there's no agenda and you just talk and then you leave and you say, well, what were we doing in that meeting? I think agendas are huge and We need to let go of some of the agendas if there's another path that's really coming up. But I do think for today, if we can address those three things, like what's different about a guest and a host, who needs to really take on the ownership of preparation, and then what makes each of those roles special, hopefully we'll have a a meaningful dialogue and I'm sure there'll be other stuff that comes up. And so interesting that you brought up dancing because uh, one of the two of us is a great dancer or one that loves it. And one of the two of us hates dancing in the eye of the uh, beholder, really. Exactly. Beholder. <laughs> but, I was just but, dancing with my daughter, though, downstairs. So, well, like the only thing that she grabs me to do, we starships are meant to fly and <sighs> the place kills. just goes nuts. It's the best wedding song, by the way. Uh, I mean, like, shout. You know what? Historic. Hold but- on. Hold on. I, I, I used to think exactly like you're saying, but my friend is a DJ. Uh, at a wedding and i just told him today i was like you're just crushing it like your audience does not get cheated and that song they're yelling timber whatever the heck it oh, is, yeah, yeah. is it's up there like that's in the conversation yeah because we're gonna move yeah <laughs> but wait but here's the point the dancing metaphor works i think and you'd have to answer this question let's try to make the leap for people like when you fast dance with someone which i haven't done since the reagan administration um do you actually need someone to lead No. Well, see, I think in a conversation you do. I feel like even here we run the risk because we're both making these jokes about like who's hosting. You're going to use this content. I'm going to use this content for people to, to, to find our, our, our audience's value. But I feel like the most meaningful conversations I had this week professionally on the mic and away, there was like a clearly defined role of who was the host and who was the guest. So no crossover in the world of dance then. I'm sure there is in the more sophisticated waltzes and tangos and things like that, but um, maybe I'm wrong. But to me, I think when it's a conversation, even you and I right now run the risk of, of a little bit of flab in the conversation because if we don't have a, a defined host. Yeah, the irony here is we're going to test a lot of what we're talking about because Joe and I have not set up host and guest. We have not prepared diligently for this conversation. We said, this is something that's interesting. You want to fire up the mics and share whatever comes of it. And this could suck. And so if it does, we'd love to hear from you. And if it does, that might speak to some of the roles and, and norms that might need to be established when doing podcasting. Um, but yeah, I, I, had a, I had a high profile uh, podcast guest author uh, text me, I guess, a week or so ago. And he or she said, I'm going to read here and paraphrase. I had a host tell me, yeah, we can talk about your new book, but um, if you could go ahead and listen to four episodes of the podcast, see how we do it. And then I'll fire questions based on where the conversation flows. And this person says, so I don't want to be a, a jerk or rude, but like, I might not have time to listen to four hours to commit. And like on the surface, what he or she is saying makes total sense to me, Brian. And I'm like, yeah, of course you don't. You're the author and you're the guest. But then like I slam on the brakes and I go, I don't want to this to bleed over into status roles, right? Because like, as soon as I say in my head, of course, my guest doesn't have the time. I start wondering, but why do I have the time to read his or her book, 16 blog posts and three other appearances? I, I get nervous about status games. And as someone who's written a book, you have a unique perspective here. Because when people invite you on the show, they want to learn what you know. They want to feature your book. The conversation orbits around the book. 
but like I'm also listening to four or five of the podcast appearances you've been on so I can have a damn good conversation. All right, let's be honest, okay? So I remember somebody else who we've collaborated with, Alan Stein, said, Brian, you would prepare no different for X than you would for Y. If you're getting paid $10,000 to speak or $100, you're not going to prepare any differently. And in my core, when he said that, I said, gosh, I wish that was true, but I'm not sure that's true. And so let's go here for a second. Joe, if you were going to go on Tim Ferriss's podcast, would you prepare for that any differently than you would if you were coming on my podcast? Tim Ferriss, Ferris, that name, it does <laughs> say it's two R's and two Would R's. Joe Rogan <laughs> help you out if we go that direction? Would I prepare any differently? No. The same. Yeah. I wish I could say that about myself. I don't think that's true for me. I think I think I would the anxiety that I would have about going on and knowing that quote unquote platform. I, I would love to tell you, I would prepare the same way. I don't think I would. I, I don't think I would. I think the, I, I'm confident that I would. And, and here's why um, to me, it matters. The, um, the genre, if you will, if I was, if I was giving the keynote at a, at a beef and beer, I'd be adrenalized. I'd, I'd prepare, but I would not. What's a prepare. beef and beer. <laughs> Is that a thing? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a lower bucks county. We're gonna get some fundraiser. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a roast beef, maybe some you know some pork. We're going to have some beers and in, in cups, and we're gonna we're gonna t- toast, and we're gonna have some we're gonna raise f- some funds. It's a it's a, a very salt of the earth fundraiser. Philadelphia, New Jersey people are you know their own breed. Um, we plead guilty, but, but let's not get derailed here. Here's, here's the point. I would be excited to speak. I wouldn't look down on it. I'd be prepared, but I'd be differently prepared than if it was a Ted talk, but that's for me in the speaking arena. I feel like everything in this arena with a microphone, Tim Ferriss, Debbie Millman, Brian Levinson, all the same. Because this is where I want to be. This is, I feel confident. I have a routine. Uh, I, I have a, a, a process that gets me ready to perform and deliver value. What is, what is that process? So we're talking about when you're coming on as a guest, walk us through your process. The most recent podcast I was on was last week. And it was really interesting because the guests, uh, the host specifically said, I want to talk about this idea of reverse mentorship, which it's one of these things. I put out a solo episode. You don't know who's listening. You're like, I thought people only come for the guests. And this guy recruited me on a pretty nice podcast uh, audience wise. Um, for the reverse mentor. So I took out a yellow legal pad and I started writing, like I was writing a blog post, but like organized. And I wrote like three principles of what would make a good reverse mentor experience. And, um, and I had like three or four different, and I'll use this phrase talking points, but that I don't mean it in the pejorative, like we're just going to knock it off script, but like, I need a better name for that. But like three points I wanted to land that I think would give value to the listener. And then Brian, I have that like story bank, right? I mean, I feel like, you know, there's, there's certain words that will trigger a great story. I mean, I think Seth Godin's the best in the class at that. And I try to emulate that style of like, if you say canoeing, I have a story. If you say beef and beer, I have a story. If you say fast dancing, I have a story. So I want to bring that every single time I'm on the mic as a guest. And are you, so are you thinking about if you go on podcast X and podcast Y, you're thinking about relevance. So for this podcast, based on my preparation, I think this might be a thread to pull on. Whereas maybe for podcast Y, that wouldn't be a thread that would be of interest. Exactly. Mutual friend, uh, Zoe Chance. I just had a chance to interview. Thanks to you. And um, before we went on air, I, I said the typical things I would say, we build the conversation together, you get final cut. But with her, one of the messages that was proprietary of sorts is when I said, one of the things I think we'll lean into is education. I would be foolish not to tap into our mutual crossovers. Let me learn on the mic from you, professor at Yale, highest rated professor at Yale Graduate School. And we leaned into that. I think it can be super overdone when we start to say, tell me about your audience. Like like you're going to pull out a pie chart and be like, I'm 18% you know, restaurant owner. So let's make sure we hit that. Like, that's just way too much, I think. But I do think like, if I'm leaning with you, we're going to talk about people who have intentional habits. And we're going to talk about craft and those type of things. And on this podcast, reverse mentorship, I knew that that was the core. So I think I think leaning into something 
is something that I think about, but I, I don't overdo it. I want to have the best, the greatest hits, freshen them up for the audience and what's top of mind, and then maybe just lean into what the host is, is thinking. I would say for me, when I am going on a podcast, I do listen to their podcast. I try to find, I wouldn't say four. Like if someone, I understand what the, your friend said, like, gosh, they're telling me to listen to four pod. That's a big time commitment for somebody. Fair, unfair, whatever. I, but I, I do try to at least get a flavor of what the energy is, what they're looking for. And so I, I would say regardless of the platform or whatever, it's like if I said yes to come on your podcast, I have to at least prepare that way. And I do the same as a host. Like, But I think my preparation as a host far exceeds my preparation as a guest. I think as a guest, typically for me at least, I know they often want to talk about my book. And so I've got my preparation for my book. I'm actually staring at bullet points that I have on the wall for my book. Cause I forget all this shit in my book. Like I, I am, my recall is so bad. And I know that memory is something that you're supposed to be able to teach yourself and learn, but I don't even remember what they teach me. So it doesn't even really help me on that front. It's like, learn the memory tricks. Well, I, I'm not good at remembering the memory stuff. So how am I going to remember the memory tricks? I, anyway, that's I a, a whole different. I have category. a really good memory trick for you another time off air, but I'm going to push back, it. I'll push back alert, push back alert. <laughs> you ready for this? Yeah. I just heard something. I'm just going to just straight up shove back your preparation uh, as a host far exceeds your preparation as a guest is what you said. And I I'm, I'm listening to it. And at first I'm going, I'm not sure if that's true. And now I feel like it's definitely not true. And it's not true in a very specific way. It's, it's not true in the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today kind of way, which is me to say, you've written the book. You've lived the life. Yeah, I've been preparing all my life, right? That's, that's, I think that's fair. So I don't need to go back and reread the book. I don't need to think about, oh, these are the bullet points. But I do think I could be more intentional and better at Hey, based like what you're saying, if I'm going on this type of podcast, what are some themes or some stories that this audience would really enjoy? And I don't think I do a good enough job of doing that. Whereas as a host, I absolutely have my threads or my questions, regardless of if I know them or I've never met them or I'm familiar with their work or not. Like I don't go in, I shouldn't say don't, I very rarely go into a conversation uh, without like baseline five, 10 questions, uh, minimum. Uh, so it, it does have me thinking, I think I could be more intentional as a guest. And I think what's interesting is they're, they're both opportunities. And when you said for you, anytime the mic is fired up, that is a sacred space. And I sacred might be too strong of a word, but I said this to someone recently about coaching. Like anytime someone's paying me to help them figure some stuff out, like I need to honor that. That is a big deal. And when you put stuff out through a microphone and it goes out into the world, like that's a big deal. And it's one of the reasons why I think when we hit the record button, we don't always get the best stuff. Like I talked to Zoe about this, like, what would it be if we just had the conversation without the record button flashing? I think something does happen because we do realize there are consequences to the things that we say. And there's influence and impact and power that comes with sharing content, whether it's for three people or, or 30,000 people. She show, she's so sharp. Uh, she pushed back on that episode and, and said, you know, well, then it would be it would be ruined because we wouldn't be able to share that and the whole feeling would be different. And I like that little mental thing. I'm going to call what you just described and what we talked about as the, the Rudy Rudiger method. I don't care how you feel about Notre Dame. Favorite, been... favorite movie, maybe. Ever. Oh, At least okay. it was. It was. So we've been a long time. That Are and you... Lion King, like as a kid, Lion King and, and Rudy were like, Okay. Top of the pyramid. So the, the, the captain says, are you ready champ? And he says, uh, I've been waiting for this my whole life. So that's, that's now officially named, at least in my mind of when, when you are the, the guest, it's the Rudy Rudiger. And when we have more time to jam, we'll talk about what it means to be, to be a host. Right. So it's, it's a different form of short-term preparation. I want to ask you something else though. Um, we don't mince words. You certainly don't. Um, you said it's annoying when a guest asks you too many questions. Is that something I wasn't supposed to say on air? No, you can say it on air. I think I, when I have a, and we were texting this and I said, yeah, I find it annoying if they keep asking me questions and I brought <laughs> them on my show. 
Yeah, I think there's a fine line there. And you know me, I love curiosity. I'm obsessed with curiosity. But if I have a guest that I'm really excited to chat with, which by the way is, I don't want to say 100% of my guests, but you strive to have guests that you're really excited about. I want to learn from them. And so if they just keep asking me questions at some point, it's like, dude, or dudette or whatever, you're here to share. And I think it's an interesting piece because I love when they ask me one question or maybe two questions because then it's we're on an even playing field and we can really have a conversation but when they go further than that it does I find it annoying that's the word I would use it's kind of similar when you're in conversation with anybody if you are only going to be the one asking questions and you're never going to share yourself and be vulnerable in any conversation I'm not so sure that's leading I'm not so sure that that is like how you build a great relationship. That's, it's a one way street. And I think great conversations involve two ways. And that's why I don't think my job is just to ask questions. I think my job is also also to offer insight or value in other ways when I'm interviewing somebody. And so I think it's the same in any conversation we have with people. We've all been around people who just constantly ask us questions, question, question. And at some point you're looking for them to break the ice and share something about them. And obviously you can ask them a question to get there. But I think people have to have the self-awareness to know, all right, maybe I've asked three questions in a row. Maybe it's time for me to share something about myself. And so I, I want to just offer a little clarity here. Uh, so there's just a couple of things that are possibly in, in a listener's mind right now. So when I, when I frame this section of our conversation, I was thinking about when you invite a guest on and they ask several questions, they, they are missing the point of, the, of you being the host to learn from them, right? So I, I kind of agree with where you're going there. I've seen Jim Collins do that in a couple of rare podcast appearances. And it's like cute for a minute. It's like this Jim Collins has this gravitas, but then eventually 15, 20 minutes are gone and it's, you know, you get it. Yeah. Like I listened to him and Ryan Hawk and uh, I felt the same way. And I have, I mean, Jim Collins, yeah. maybe the best nonfiction business writer ever. Good to great classic, classic book. But I'm like, all right, man, uh, Ryan's great. I've had Ryan on the podcast, like same, Ryan. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, I'm here to learn from you, Jim. And, and look, I can learn from high velocity questions, as you would call them. And I think it's really valuable. I think this applies to leadership, too. We always say great leaders listen. Great leaders ask great questions. That is true. And great leaders offer great insight and need to be able to share with conviction, what they believe. If they're just asking questions, they're playing facilitator. And a facilitator is a part, it's a tool in leadership, but there are so many other facets of leadership. And if you're never standing on any ground and sharing what you believe, let's use Brene Brown, if you're not being vulnerable and having that emotional exposure to put yourself out there as a guest. And by the way, I'd say the same thing as a host. Like there are hosts that we listen to, we, we know they are just, question, 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 question. And to me, they're missing an opportunity to also share parts of themselves, which by the way, if they're listening to 1% better, they are there for Joe Ferraro. They might be there for Joe Ferraro and James Clear, or they might've found Joe Ferraro because of James Clear, but make no mistake, they're coming back because they value what you bring. It can be great questions, but I think it's more dynamic if it's a little more complex than that. I'm going to say thank you. And it's good nuance. And I love all that. And I think one of the reasons, if it's true what you said, and I hope it is, one of the reasons that they're coming for me is sometimes I'll, and you'll do the same, we'll take a a counterintuitive point or thought process, not for novelty, but for real authenticity, right? And here's my approach and here's my offering. Uh, When I met with my reverse mentor on Friday. um, Can you explain reverse mentor? Because it's, you mentioned a couple of times now, I know you tweeted it out, but if I were listening to this and I do want to, I'm not always like the biggest, Oh, you got to serve your audience guy. But I, I, it's not lost on me that people are listening to this and they might have no freaking clue what you're talking about. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a good clarification. A couple episodes ago, I released an episode where um, it basically threw out this idea of a reverse mentor, which is someone who is less experienced, usually younger, but certainly and, and vitally less experienced than me in this case who I intentionally sought out to learn from. And in this case, I'm lucky, it's right across the hall in my classroom is a second year English teacher who I find to be fascinating and skilled and does things differently than me. And coincidentally and helpfully, she's open, right? And she wants to learn and she wants to help. So 
someone who's more inexperienced or less experienced than me in this case, in this case, younger, but it doesn't have to be younger. It just has to be less experienced because after 23 years in the classroom, I have patterns I've fallen into and habits, good and bad. And this second year teacher across the hall has been super innovative and interesting and open to talking. And I've been basically peppering her with questions, but it started out casual. And then I, one of the things I think is important is to formalize. So we started a Google doc, we started a yellow legal pad, and we kind of formalized the conversation because I'm just, you know, for anyone who's followed my work for any length of time, I'm just against shooting the breeze and seeing where things go. Like I want, once the relationship has been established where there's mutual respect and expertise, hopefully on at least one side, if not both, now I'm diving in with two feet. So reverse mentor, someone with less experience that can give me fresh eyes, simplest example. It's interesting. My mentor, one of my mentors, every time you meet with him, he has you write an email with an agenda of items that you want to cover with him and questions that you have. Hey, what do you want to cover in this conversation? And he's like relentless with it. And he's one of the most disciplined people I, I, I know. And I find that to be helpful. I'm thinking about though, as we zoom back out to get maybe zoom back in on this, this idea of, are they different hosts and guests? Are they a different role? Um, and if I'm hearing you, you're, you're saying, no, I, I really take them pretty similarly. Well, what I wanted to make just one more stab at is where we were going with that before you, you importantly asked me to redefine or define reverse mentor was that when I met with her on Friday, it was only her asking me questions. We flipped it and we did it on purpose because in a 40 minute session, you know this better than anybody, you can't do everything. So what, what are we going to do today? Well, today, meaning last Friday, I said, have at it, ask me any question about education that you want. And what I wasn't going to do is learn from her intentionally. I was going to learn passively. I was going to learn through the process, but it was her turn by request to learn from me. So your mentor who's asking for that agenda, I respect the heck out of it. Now, the bridge that I think we can build right to host versus guest is preparation. I mean, you can do it a million different ways. But I think if we've proved nothing else in this conversation is that we both believe there's different forms of preparation, but it has to exist. You know, the Rudy Rudiger method or whatever we want to call it, tongue in cheek, it's got to exist. And we did prepare because I have these three themes, these buckets for us to dive into. And let's just stay on that. Are they different question, which is one of the buckets. Teacher and student, like even let's go from away from podcasting. Yes, you're in the classroom and you. Do you take on a different approach if you know you're teaching compared to being a student? My wife and I had this conversation, precisely that center cut point, which was like the podcast host is the teacher in a sense, right? The host teacher, the audience is the student, right? However, comma, it's a problem because in the classroom, if you're the student, you're relying on the teacher, but you got to bring something to it. If you don't bring anything to the party, an open mind, quite literally a notebook and a pen or some type of capture device, you know, so I don't know that it's a perfect analogy, like right? as much as we want it to be right. Like, Hey, teacher, I'm here to learn. Well, you can do that on the treadmill. You can do that in the car. You're like, I'm listening to intentional performers. Like I want to learn. I'm not interacting, but you are bringing something you're bringing like your attention and your focus, which are these incredible commodities that I know you and I don't, don't take lightly. It's interesting. Cause I never really thought of all right, the podcast host and the podcast guest are teachers. And then the people that are listening to it are technically students. And the challenge of a podcast is it's a one-way street in that they don't get to ask questions in a classroom, so to speak. They're just absorbing the content. They're, they're not getting to push back on it, challenge it, question it, or add to it. And I had Carol Robin, who taught the touchy-feely class at Stanford. It's like you get Zoe on from Yale and you get Carol on from Stanford and all of a sudden you get access to these universities that never would have let you in their, in their rooms. Trust me, they would not, not have let even me the in website. their rooms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, sir, you're not welcome <laughs> here. Um, and Carol, we talked about teacher and student and she said, I'm a student. Like, I, I think it's really important that I never lose sight as a student. And Zoe talks a lot about when I am in my classroom, I used to think it's about me and I need to get this done and that done. And now I just think of it as like a dinner party and I'm here to serve and I'm here to be with the room. And I think it is interesting to just 
think about that for all of us as far as what roles we're playing. For me, I think when I go on someone else's podcast, I am more performative. I do think I'm there to deliver in a different way. I think when I'm having guests on my podcast, I'm there to have boundaries. I'm there to hold space. I'm there to challenge in a respectful way. And that's been something I've really worked on because I think if you don't challenge in a respectful way, it's really not great to listen to. I've listened to other podcasts where people just push back or contrarian. And I don't think it's necessarily enjoyable to listen to people argue. Um, so how do you do that? And then occasionally I'll get into like coach mode, which we did together when, when I had you on the podcast where I got into a little more, some, some coachiness, but I don't think I bring elements of those when I go on other people's podcast, but I really try to acknowledge that it's not my show. And, no. and yeah. I, I think it's different. Yeah. You, but I'm you, wondering, you, I'm sorry. I'm wondering in my head, is that helpful or harmful? And I'm not sure. I, I, I want to like digest that a little more. I, I need to think on that a little more. Well, one of the, really transparent ways that we came together on this very point is in trying to think about potential guests for each of our shows. And when you scout, for lack of a better term, a, a potential guest, you want it to deliver a value for the audience. And we want to enjoy the conversation. We want to be enlivened by it. And I think it comes out when you start to say, well, person A is excellent as a guest. Person A is also not so excellent as a host. Um, and I don't, so, so, if you just went black and white, which you and I are not typically black and white people, as much as we love the, the polarities, we love the and part of it. At least you've brought me to that team. Being a good host does not guarantee you're going to be a good guest. And being a good guest certainly does not guarantee that you're going to be a good host. So in the baseline level, you are correct, sir. They are different skills. I think the fundamentals, at least as I approach the craft, I just think there's a lot of crossover and maybe it, maybe it's very individual, right? I mean, it's for me, um, I, I get a lot of value out of, so if I'm going on as a guest, I'm thinking about, and this might sound weird, how, how can I help the host? Right? So it's in a weird way. Like if I go to a dinner party, yeah, I, I would try to help the host if it was struggling, right? You know, the, the flambe is not coming out, right? Come here, let me, let me help you. And, if it is going well, I'll sit back and go, oh my God, this is the best party ever. So maybe that's the analogy, right? Like, it's like, if, if <laughs> I forget one time, I think you were on a show and I sent you a picture and I was like, it was like someone fireman carrying someone like you basically carried the host over the finish line. And that's not to be demeaning. It's just inexperienced hosts with Brian Levinson on, you know, what a damn good conversation is that host may get there and may be there now, but at that time, in my opinion, wasn't there. But you're not going to have a dud episode when you invite Brian on the show. But I feel I, the same way when I'm hosting. Like, I, if I'm feeling as though it's not completely where it needs to be, then I might need to pick it up a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it is. It's, it's interesting to me as far as when you remain curious and when you're really convicted. And to me, I, I want to have both of those. And I was thinking, as you were saying, sometimes great hosts are not necessarily great guests. I was also thinking about writers. And a lot of times we have people on our podcast who have written books and books that are incredible. And people can be exquisite with their words. I would say pen to paper, even though I, I know it's computer or whatever. But they're not great speakers. The, one of the best nonfiction authors of all time, I heard speak. And I was just like, this is boring this is boring. And the person's a rock star from a author standpoint. And so I'm kind of obsessed with those things because I think it's hard to find someone who's good at everything. Um, certainly I'm not. Uh, and, you know, as we play guest and host, I think for our listeners that are listening to this right now, there may be situations that you're put in that are beneficial where you're not necessarily elite at that thing. How do you remain authentic and genuine? If you're a highly curious person that loves to ask questions, can you still bring that, but still understand that there are elements where that's not going to be appropriate? You got me thinking about how I got in to coaching. 
I had a guest who was an incredible writer who did not feel comfortable being a dynamic guest. And by the way, why, why should he be? He's a writer. (laughs) He's an amazing writer. Why do you also have to be great on this thing? So that's the, that's the number one argument for a coach. Interestingly, um, the bulk of my clients have been podcast hosts who want to get better because that's the skill set we think like, well, if I'm a host, I should be better. But you mentioned that number one nonfiction, one of the number one nonfiction writers not being great. I don't know who you mean. It doesn't matter. What matters is it might be worth it for people that have that skill set of this typing and don't have the skill set of talking in a dynamic way in a 30 minute window to invest some time, finances and otherwise because of this medium that we've set up, that podcasting is an amazing distribution channel. And I mean, you and I get that out of it, but we also get the learning, which is, is incredible. And that's why I think you and I even doing an episode about the very idea of host versus guest or host and guest, however we want to frame this. It, it's just, I mean, it's brain candy for me. I, I hope that someone's listening and saying, these are some new avenues I never thought about. Which do you prefer? guest host <laughs> I, I thought about that driving in and i'm saying to myself i love them both which and is easier for you easier is guest because of the nature of i'm ready to go like yeah i think i think that's pretty universal and i think that's what most people who don't uh host or don't facilitate or ask questions with a live audience don't realize it is so much harder to, in my opinion, to be able to guide a conversation and ask questions than it is to provide answers. Yeah. And you know this to be true because if you've ever gone to a conference and seen a panel, it usually is awful because they'll put someone in that seat who's an expert, but they'll have no clue how to ask questions. They know how to share. And it's one of the things that when I watch a panel and someone like really knows how to do it, I sit back in awe because it's so hard to ask questions that are interesting and unique and can unlock someone's potential or unlock how they think. And I think sometimes we think it's the opposite. Oh, they're just here asking questions. (laughs) Yeah. But let me, let me turn that on you. And then by proxy, the listener, ready? Here's the question. We'll stay with Tim Ferriss, give him some love. Not that he needs it. You have one shot to be in the orbit of Tim Ferriss. And the reason why that's significant is because his audience is just so massive. It's borderline the Oprah effect, right? Like Oprah says the pie is good. That person that makes the pie never works again. So some similar thing with, with Ferris. You have one shot to display your work. You're either interviewing Tim Ferriss or you're going on the Tim Ferriss show. What are you choosing? And before you answer, listener, <laughs> it's nothing weirder than saying listener, but if you're listening right now, would you rather be interviewed by Tim Ferriss or would you rather interview Tim Ferriss? That's a great question. See, and there I go. Like my initial, I I've come to realize that my initial thoughts and feelings are usually pretty selfish. Like they're like, okay. So let me guess, let me guess if you're saying you're going selfish, right? Yeah. See, I think this is going to be a brain twister because think about it. If I'm coaching you, if you call me up or text me and say, Joe, I was given this opportunity either side with Ferris. If I'm your coach, you have to be the guest. Yeah. I mean, selfishly, that's where I go in my head is this is a huge marketing opportunity. His platform's way bigger than my platform, et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting though. I will say this about myself. I'll give myself credit. So I don't know if I've shared this with the world. I guess I'll share it with the world. Beautiful. So when Simone Biles got the twisties, um, I don't know how or why this happened, but Access Hollywood like hit me up. <laughs> and they, I don't want to say hit me up. I'm like, they called me, they emailed me, they DM'd me on Instagram. And if you know me, Literally, like I'm not a big Instagram guy. The greatest sentence I've ever had on this podcast, potentially continue. Well, yeah. Uh, and they're like, we want, would you be willing to come on tomorrow? And, and talk about Simone Biles. And by the way, this was close to when my book had come out. So I'm going on anyone's podcast that will have me. I am like, whatever it takes to get this book. Shift Your Mind by Brian Levinson. Yeah, good plug. Uh, and 
I was thinking as that whole thing was going down before they reached out, this is absurd that people are either lionizing her or calling her some sort of hero, both. Like if you went on social media, there were people that were saying she hadn't even spoken yet. She had just withdrawn. She hadn't had a press conference yet. And people were saying, what a hero, good for her. People were saying, what a wimp or whatever word they were choosing. What, you know, she's soft. And I'm sitting there being like, y'all have no idea. She hasn't said anything. Who knows what's going on? I don't know. And then Access Hollywood calls. And they say, we want you to come on tomorrow to talk about Simone Biles. And it's interesting. Like, I never really thought I would do it. I asked my wife, I go, am I crazy? Like, I'm not going to go on there. She goes, yeah, I think that's probably right. And I go, but am I right about this? And she's like the greatest person to bounce ideas off of. She's very unemotional when it comes to that sort of stuff. And she's a daughter of a judge and she's just very thoughtful. And I turned it down. And the reason I'm telling that story because you're asking about Tim Ferriss, like Access Hollywood is a pretty good platform. And the, the reason I turned it down is I didn't feel like I had the competence to speak on it. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't feel as though it was appropriate. Now, since then, people have said to me, but Brian, you could have gone on there and said, hey, we don't need to judge yet. Like, it's too early. And that's what your message could have been. I said, that's fine. But even like going on and giving a megaphone to something that I felt like needed less megaphone didn't feel genuine to me. And I don't think it was like a fear. I don't think I was afraid of the platform or anything like that. I've done TV before. And, but you had me thinking about the Tim Ferriss thing because there would definitely be nerves in going on that and screwing it up, like saying the wrong stuff or messing up and being a terrible guest. And I think there's like a little fear of there or imposter syndrome or whatever you'd call it. But just going back to the Access Hollywood thing, like I said no to it because I felt like I wasn't qualified and I didn't feel like I had enough information to speak on it. Wow. I, uh, I'm faced with some of the emotions in uh, Goodwill hunting here after the, the Carlton Fisk home run game that uh, Robin Williams' character, Sean McGuire, did not attend to, to meet his future wife. Hopefully that's a, an acceptable spoiler. I like Goodwill uh, hunting, probably my favorite movie ever now. So you and I are, are spirit animals. Locked in. I mean, that movie delivers an almost every box that you're looking for in a movie. Right? Rent to go see about a girl. I mean, oh. come on. It's just, it's phenomenal. So right now, you know, if you can hang out with Brian uh, or I, as we begin to wrap this up though, I want to say a couple of quick things. Number one, uh, it would have been nice to be on access Hollywood. And I think that you, you did something noble. Um, but I do think since you're a reflective person, I think it was a missed opportunity. And I just want to be honest and say that to you. I, I hear you through a screen because you could have done just that, right? You could have done the move where you basically add perspective and something you're so good at where you add the nuance. And, you know, I find that a lot in, in a classroom, right? Like something happens in the world, whether it's political or, or otherwise, and you basically say, I'm not qualified to say that. I'm not qualified to talk about that. And just by the very nature of standing in front of your students, in this case, students, in, in this case, your audience, and saying I'm not qualified, it, ad it adds a degree of um, class and poise to the conversation. So when and if that happens again, and I'm, no, I'm sure it will, um, Keep that in mind. Saying saying nothing is different than saying something and, and bringing a different uh, shine to it. An interesting thought experiment on the Ferris front would be me, because if he hired me as a coach to improve his hosting skills, and I'm not trying to say that in any weird way, bragging way, it would actually be huge for me, right? Because then people would be like, well, if he coaches Tim, like, wow, he could really coach me. But interestingly, like, I, I would like to have him on, right? Because like, I don't really have, I don't have a book yet and I'm not, there's no like direct transfer. I'm not sure. It's a very interesting, at least I think it's an interesting thought experiment for people to think about as they go through their life. And I think if you're job hunting, it's something to think about. I think, you know, would you rather interview the new candidate? It's just, it's a cool thing, man. We, we, um, I know you and I love this and I think hopefully there's some value for people. Well, it's relevant. This morning I had a meeting with someone who's in the sports world, really sharp guy and, you know, going into it. Like I, I put this sticky note right by my computer. It says, stay curious. And so when I'm interviewing people, I always want to stay curious. But I love the idea that like those who are interesting or interested, I think that that axiom is, is quite beautiful. And so like today at breakfast, which by the way, is kind of weird. Dave Chappelle like showed up behind us and smoked a cigarette. Side note, we were in Washington, D.C. It's kind of crazy. 
anyway, <laughs> a little crazy story for this. And he's morning. coming on the pod. Yeah, no, I did not go up to Dave Chappelle and ask him to come on the pod, but I mean, he'd be pretty sweet on the pod. But regardless, like I do think like this morning, it was a three hour conversation and there needs to be some intention when you're with people that you're interested in and how much do you share and how much do you ask questions? And we're all playing host and guest in our interactions with people to some degree. There just might not be a blinking light or there might not be a microphone. And I think we all have to think about what's the role in the conversation that we're playing. If we're a manager, what is our role in this meeting? Sometimes it might be host, so to speak. Sometimes it might be guest. Or Joe might believe, hey, both of those are the same. Um, I think it's an interesting thing that I'm not sure I, I'm quite clear on. So I leave here probably with more questions than I have answers. But I do think we covered, you know, are they different? How might they be different? Um, Preparation-wise, like I'm definitely leaving here thinking about, you know, I probably need to honor coming on as a guest a little bit more. I think I need to honor it with a little more preparation, probably. And then what makes each of them special? I mean, they're both platforms and they're both um, opportunities to use your word about the missed opportunity of Access Hollywood. And I think it's okay to treat different opportunities differently. And I'm not some saint. And by the way, like turning that down was not like some altruistic, higher moral ground thing. It was just like what I thought was right. It wasn't any more complicated than that. Um, and there are times where I probably do things that maybe I regret as well. Regret's an interesting word, which Dan Pink is obviously pretty obsessed with right now. And it's got me thinking a lot about regret and the power of it. Um, but it, it is interesting. Like each, each role is, is super special. And I will tell you the people that come on my podcast that honor that space. And like Zoe is such a good example. Zoe said to me afterwards, we started talking about people that she might think would be good for the show. And I said, yeah, you know, a lot of people, they ghost or they don't show or they don't get back to me or they cancel the day of. She's like, really? She couldn't believe it. She said, you're giving them a platform to promote their book and they're like not honoring that? Like what greater gift can you give somebody? And I said, I wish everybody thought like that, but not everybody does. Um, it's reality. Yeah. And in closing, I think not everybody thinks that way is a really powerful framing mechanism because I learned that from a client. I'm coaching someone who's launching a podcast any day now. And he basically told me, Joe, your interviewing style is, I don't know, he used some compliment. Phenomenal. Sensational. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And then your favorite word. And he goes, you're, you're, Let's make this coherent. He says, Joe, your interviewing style is fantastic. And I can't do it. And I don't want to do it. And I was like, what? Like, wait, that scraps like my next six lessons with you, right? Coaching sessions. Like, wait, I was going to tell you how to do it my way. He taught me something, Brian. He taught me that he's doing it as a learning experience, as a hobby, as something that transforms who he is. He doesn't need to read 11 books to have a coherent, good conversation. I learned something in that moment. So that's on this shelf. On the other shelf is, imagine I was interviewing your wife, if I was lucky enough to do that. And I said, I, I understand you're the, you're the daughter of a judge. How has that impacted your decision-making as you walk through life? In the clearest, most distilled way possible, I think that illustrates my particular style as an interviewer. Do you ask those I, questions when you're walking around? Like, are you in that mode? Yes. Often? All the time. Um, with my son, we talked about a sandwich today. You know what a question I asked? I can't get out of here without a food question. Crispy chicken sandwich today. Local deli. I say, this sandwich is too dry. As soon as I said it, I said I should have let him, 12-year-old Joey, go first. He goes, Dad, that's okay. I actually really love the sandwich. And why don't we always be honest with each other no matter what and don't let it influence? I'm like, oh my God. But so, okay, with that in mind, Joey, I go, what's the one ingredient in the world you would add to the sandwich? You only get one. What would you add to it? And I couldn't even think of like, is it sriracha mayo? Is it bacon? Is it ranch? Is it spicy? Blah, blah. He's like, bacon, bacon makes everything taste better. Yeah. He's like, I think it's fine the way it is. Point being, not just some cute little anecdote between father and son, that's how I'm wired, right? So in short, relatively speaking, I want to know that your wife is the daughter of a judge 
before I go on air, I don't want to air quote alert, burn a question saying, what did your dad do? But I also learned some people do. Some people want to say, what did your dad do? And see where that goes. And as I do this longer and longer and study people like you and have opportunities to talk with people like you, I realize that both are okay. Two more things. I know you want to close, but there's two more things. One, I want to share something that you advice you gave to me that's been really transformative. And I just want to share it with our audiences. When I went on Joe's podcast, he offered some feedback back to me. And he said, Brian, when you talk, you talk in long bursts. If you look at the audio, you'll find these long bursts. He said, chop it up. So go short, then go long, then go maybe medium and short. And, you know, if you if you study writing, they often say in writing, it's the same way. You can have a two word sentence and then you can have one with a comma and make it a little longer and break it up because the eyes and the brain process it, digest it in a better way. Maybe they have bacon on the chicken sandwich in that sense. Okay. So for listeners, I think that's really helpful for, for other people to hear is sometimes you can give a short answer. Sometimes you can give a longer answer and it makes for more intriguing uh, content. And then I want to end with a question for you, which is what's the best compliment someone can give you after they finish recording a podcast with you after. Oh, see, that's a beautiful example. I'm listening. My listening framework is I'm listening to your question. I'm there. I'm present. He's asking me, what is the best compliment someone can give me after a question? After and then a podcast. You, exactly. But that's what oh, happened. You thought a question. So I th that's where I'm, I'm like almost predicting what you're going to say, but I'm not. That's not my exact style. And then you say, well, after an interview, totally different thing, right? People listening can hear the difference, like hugely different questions. So after a podcast, the best compliment um, someone can give me uh, is, is just a genuine um, exhale followed by just something sincere. Right. Like, and I can't put it into one bucket. It's happened recently. And uh, the guest just said, wow, that that was man. you're really good at X or you're really good at Y. And I'll, I'll take any sincere feedback that they give in that moment, because you're seeing such a real uh, version of that person in that moment. Sorry, you said you were wired at asking those like deep questions. You think that's nature? You think that's something from your childhood nurture? No, no, like wired in a way that like a great uh, house builder wires the house. Like, like it's not there from, from birth, but someone intentionally put the wires where you can't see them. And someone thought that they'd be better wires over here. And so I, I, I think the part that's nature is, is, is there. We're not going to deny that. But I have a really talkative uh, mother and I have a dad who's deeply curious in his own way, who doesn't talk much, which kind of gives me that, hey, dad. I have a great question for you, attention-seeking method. And uh, if I play baseball, maybe we'll spend more time together. And if I ask you a question about baseball, and if I ask you a question about... So I think, uh, I think it's more nurture for sure, but certainly we, we, we sometimes take out nature too much. I think someone that you know asked me about curiosity, and I said to them, I don't think I'm actually... I think everyone's wired with curiosity, but I said, for me, I'm actually quicker to want to speak my mind than I am conviction. to ask a question. Yeah. Conviction comes first for me. Like I am, I'm pretty perceptive. So I pick up on things quickly and then I want to share and yeah. go, and I'm good at connecting dots. So I want to be like, Oh, I heard this and that, and this together. And that's part of where there's talent inside of me is the connecting dots and the capacity to do that. And it's where I get burned often because if you connect too quickly, you miss an opportunity to go a lever or level deeper where there's often just beautiful stuff. And so I've worked really hard to change some of the wiring in me to make sure that I'm staying curious a little longer. That's why I have a sticky note here to, to remind myself. So I think wiring is interesting to think about it the way you said, where it's like, no, and I can start, start to develop the wires and plug them in here and adjust them. And we have all these pieces inside of us. It's just how do we want to adjust it? How do we want to move forward? And as we close, I hope everyone thinks about their own wiring and thinks about, hey, how do you want to show up as a host? How do you want to show up as a guest? Are they the same? If they are, cool. If they're different, what might be different about them? Uh, how do you prepare as a guest or a host? Even like a dinner party. How do I want to be at a dinner party as a guest? How do I want to be at a dinner party as a host? Um, and then what makes those roles special in their own way? I think if we can all answer those questions for ourselves, Hopefully we'll find some beauty and some gems in there. 
I'm going to close with my impression of Brian Levinson. Uh, the book is Shift Your Mind. Uh, I'm an executive coach. I'd love to maybe jam with you if this means appealing. I, I'm at Brian Levinson on Twitter, and LinkedIn is the other place I like to play. So if you have anything you heard today, uh, those are the places where you can contact me. Joe, <laughs> 1% better project. But I think what's really cool about Joe is he's running this coaching cohort. So if you're at all interested in being a great guest or being a great host, I don't think there's anybody in this world who's better at coaching other people on that. And then I'll also say this on Twitter, Joe is just spectacular and spends a lot of time crafting his narrative. His way with words is, is really special and he interacts like the guy is there often. Maybe the two of us are, are there too often if you ask other people in our world, um, but follow Joe on Twitter. Um, you know, we recently were going back and forth about how many followers people have and what goes into that. <laughs> Don't and, even go uh, there. Don't even go there a different today. Podcast. That's a different podcast for a different day. But Joe, always great spitting with you, rhyming with you. Looking forward to breaking bread soon, maybe this summer. And Definitely. Uh, 100%. This is, this is one of the highlights of my Sunday, man. This was absolutely phenomenal. Well, and, you didn't uh, see Dave Chappelle. So, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of this cigarette dave get rid of the cigarette we need you around for a while brian thanks so much all right bud thank you for listening to intentional performers with brian levinson here is this week's episode gem well one of the really transparent ways that we came together on this very point is in trying to think about potential guests for each of our shows and when you scout for lack of a better term a, a potential guest you want it to deliver uh, value for the audience, and we want to enjoy the conversation. We want to be enlivened by it. And I think it comes out when you start to say, well, person A is excellent as a guest. Person A is also not so excellent as a host. Um, and I don't, so, so if you just went black and white, which you and I are not typically black and white people, as much as we love the, the polarities, we love the and part of it. At least you brought me to that team. Being a good host does not guarantee you're going to be a good guest. And being a good guest certainly does not guarantee that you're going to be a good host. So in the baseline level, you are correct, sir. They are different skills. I think the fundamentals, at least as I approach the craft, I just think there's a lot of crossover. 